0: Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. As I told you, it's going to be a very different sound to Hawk Central tonight. Back to our normal time here from 6 to 7, and we will hook up with our buddy Chad Leistico. Here in about a half hour or so, we have uh, our usual suspect, Mark Emmert, along with us. Mark, how you doing tonight, buddy?
1: I'm doing great, Ross. How
0: are you? I'm doing well, and I want to introduce you to my new friend, Mitch Widmeyer. Mitch has been filling in for Chris on Fanatics, but he's a huge Hawkeye fan, so he wanted to stick around here for Hawk Central. So, Mitch, Mark Emmert. Mark, nice to meet you uh, over the phone. Hi, how are you
2: doing, Mitch? <laughs> I'm doing well.
0: <laughs> we have, uh, we, yeah. This This is the one usual thing that you will pick up on. Uh, Chad Lysico has been uh, gracious enough to line up coach interviews for us each and every week. Today... Even though he's not in studio, he still booked one for us, and uh, we're lucky enough to borrow some time from Reese Morgan. Coach, thanks for giving us time this afternoon. How are you, sir?
3: Very good, Mark. We uh, appreciate uh, the support, and uh, good to visit with people in the in Des Moines area about uh, the Hawks.
0: Not only that, Coach, you get to talk to Hawkeye fans in the Des Moines area, which is, you know... Means means best of the best, I would assume. If, if you, absolutely, yeah, right.
3: We 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 really appreciate their <laughs> strong support.
0: Let's dive in, Coach. I know we got a lot of stuff we want to kind of weed through here with you in the defensive line. Um, I, I think one of the more interesting stories is is kind of Matt Nelson's story. Three surgeries in the last year for Matt Nelson. This is a guy who started an entire season at defensive end as a sophomore, and then was asked to move positions as a junior. Also, a guy who is uh, planning on medical school. Where does this guy go from here? What's What's next for Matt Nelson? What do we expect in 2018 from Matt?
3: I, I tell you what, he's he's a remarkable young man. Uh, Matt has come in as a uh, he's a selfless, team-oriented guy. Uh, you know, he had had some difficulties with injuries. The last play of the bowl game, the second last play, he ends up uh, getting a labrum tear in his shoulder. But, you know, his attitude has been good. What he's done is he's, he's basically become a coach on the field for us during the May, you know, during the uh, spring football. Mm-hmm. You know, he sits with young guys, tutors them out on the field, uh, and, and just a tremendous player. Not only was he starting a defensive end force for two years, we, we experienced, we lost some size inside. We asked Matt to go ahead and transition in there. He not only did it willingly. he's says, "Coach, anything to help the team." And he, in each and every, the thing that's unique about Matt is everything he does. He does the very best that he can, and he buys into it entirely. So he he comes out at each and every game. He improved and got better and better throughout the course of the year. And currently, right now, he's studying for his MCADs, uh, which he's taking in the month of June. So he's going to be a doctor. So if anybody has any surgeries upcoming, I would guarantee <laughs> you that he would be as good as you'll find anywhere
0: are you going to but utilize that him with a knife there you go oh yeah
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that i know how this works coach poor kid he's going to become a doctor and then every sprained ankle on the team he's going to have to start looking at and diagnosing so uh sure, sure. Not, not a good look he's
3: just if, if you're around him you know there's such a sense of matur- maturity but there's a sense of of team and a sense of humility and and uh, he is probably one of the most respected guys in our room because of his interactions with other people, you know, and, and, you know, regardless of whether they're at the same position or not, he's there to help them.
0: What's Dr. Matt's prognosis or diagnosis for Parker Hesse?
3: Uh, well, I tell you what, Parker, Parker is actually working doing an internship in Des Moines, I think four days a week right now. Uh, the guys are off. They just finished with, uh, Parker just graduated with his BA and, uh, is doing, a, 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 a partnership, a, a uh, with uh, i 'm not sure what firm at all I just talked to somebody earlier today, but he 's working in that area then he comes back here on friday he 's doing treatment in in uh, in the Des Moines area and he's coming back to to work with our trainers on the weekend but i think he I think it's a, a foot injury and, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be ready to go he is a, He is a tough son of a gun very passionate about the game. You know, and, and, and uh you know it's gonna be hard to keep him out of drills.
0: Any time frame, coach, on when you're expecting him to be I tell you full? what,
3: I we we've been on the road recruiting. I actually okay. was out today and we just got back. So we don't know the exact time, but I, I do know our trainers have been working with him and uh you know, I, I you know, it's a very similar to what Matt had. Matt had a foot injury last year at this time and he started integrated and it happened during spring spring ball as well. So you know, uh, you know. I'm guessing it would be sometime in June.
0: Uh, Mark, I'll let you kind of jump in here for a little bit. I know you've got a few other questions that you'd like to uh, to bounce off, Coach.
1: Yeah, uh, Reese, we got word this week that uh, Anthony Nelson is one of the finalists or uh, on that watch list for the Lot Trophy, which uh, the trophy that Josie Jewell won last year. Just wondering, in in uh, what ways are they those guys similar?
3: well i'll tell you first talk about Matt I mean about Anthony Nelson excuse me anthony from from Waukee, right in the heart of the Des Moines. His dad played at Iowa, Mom went to school here at at Iowa, and just a a, a tremendous story with him. You know this kid is a he came into Iowa at two hundred and seventeen pounds okay he 's right now about two hundred and seventy four right now you know working his tail off, uh, great leadership by example. We just need him to step up and become a little bit more vocal, which is a little bit out of his character, but he's embracing that opportunity and that challenge. But, uh, you know, he's he's really done a great job. has been exceptional for us, you know, in, in the room, on the field, you know, helping other guys as well. Him and Josie are, are a little bit similar in the fact that both of them come from excellent high school programs. Josie from a very successful decora program. Uh, Anthony from a great program, uh, you know, at Waukee. Both of them were multi-sport athletes. Uh, you know, uh, Anthony was football, basketball, and track his senior year. Never went out for track before. Coach Heitland talked him into going out for track. He ended up uh, scoring in the high jump for enough, uh, to give them enough points to win this, the state championship in track. Josie was a four-sport athlete, you know, football, basketball, track, and baseball. And, and both of them were extremely successful in all their sports. They're good students, excellent students, both on the dean's list at the University of Iowa. Great work ethic. Uh Josie's a little more of a vocal guy. Uh Anthony's more of a guy that leads by example, but great families, uh, great work ethic, guys that you when you watch those guys play, you see, man, there's a great player from the from the state of Iowa playing for
0: the University of Iowa. Coach Reese Morgan is joining us here on Hawk Central on fourteen sixty KXNO. Of course, of course, Coach Reese Morgan is the defensive line coach for the Iowa Hawkeyes. A few others we'd like to ask you about, Coach. Is Sam Brinks a defensive tackle now?
3: Well, Sam Brinks is is what would you call a hybrid. He can play any <laughs> position. He can play any size. What what we what we did with Matt being out, it gave us opportunities to try some other guys. So we took some guys that were strictly defensive ends, had not played inside. Uh, Sam Brinks being one of them, and Sam play, uh, practiced the last two weeks of, two and a half weeks of spring ball playing defensive tackle, the first two and a half playing defensive end. We did the same thing with Chauncey Golston with Chauncey, uh, played defensive tackle the first two-and-a-half weeks, played defensive end the last two-and-a-half. So what we've done is we've been able to train guys to transition because things happen differently inside than they do outside. Outside, you're a little bit on an island. Inside, things are going to happen. You're going to get double-teamed a lot more. And and we needed to kind of see what kind of depth we can create there. And Sam did a great job inside. He's always done a great job outside. So I think you're going to see him play in both positions. And you know he's just solidified that hey he can go in the game, play any position at any time. You know. And then Chauncey Golston had a great spring as well.
0: Mark, I know you're. Have you
3: ever
1: had anybody do that before? Go ahead, Mark. Uh, Reese, have you ever had anybody do that before? Play both uh, inside and outside in the
3: same season? Yeah, uh, we, we we fooled around a little bit with Drew Odd has done that. Uh, Garrett Jansen okay. has done that. Garrett Jansen, who plays for us right now, he came in as a defensive end and played that. But, uh, you know, we typically play right and left, as you know, and we do that mm-hmm. for a reason, you know, so that you know, if teams are shifting and so forth, um, you know, we can be in the right spot at the right time all the time. But, uh, you know, I think that says a lot about Sam. What Sam is... Is another one of those guys that the team is the most important thing. I'll do anything I can to help the team, you know. And and I was at his high school here about a week ago, and uh, you know they, the coaches still talk about him. You know, maybe not the biggest, the fastest, the the strongest, but boy, you talk about a guy that gets things done, productive, uh, great leader. Uh, you know, that's Sam Brinks. You know, and I mentioned Chauncey Golston. Chauncey Golston, fifty-seven. I, you know, I think he's a guy that people are—he's going to open some eyes this this fall. I think Chauncey is just starting to to really uh, develop the confidence, along with the bil- ability that he's already had, but he's not arrived yet. But he's he's on that path, and, and we're excited about his progress this spring.
1: Wow, high praise, uh, Reese. I'm always fascinated by your recruiting stories. Um, first of all, are you pretty much always driving when you're on the road? Do they ever let you get in an airplane? Are you are you always have to drive?
3: well this this spring i've been I, I think this year i've been driving the whole time thank goodness
0: i couldn't get a couldn 't get a direct flight into Audison? what happened coach
3: <laughs> no I tell you what the, you know the, the, the i th- i think there's an allegiant flight that that goes to uh Howells you know we were out there a couple of times but uh no it, it, it it's great to drive because you know the 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 good thing is you you, you don't have to worry about delays you don 't have to worry about uh um, you know the hassles that go along with that, because there is some dead time, and and our coaches do a great job of being productive during that time. They're on the phone, they're on their iPads, they're evaluating talent, they're getting ready for the next day. I get to do that by driving, you know, and and, and when I'm driving, the radio is off, no radio on, just the phone, just the windshield, thinking about stuff, planning the next thing talking to the to, to guys back at the office, specifically Scott Southmate, or talking to other coaches. But yeah, I drive. Oh. Okay.
0: I'm sure he what meant to that? say, Mark, Mark, I'm sure he meant to say, with the exception of when he's in Central Iowa from 4 to 7 when he tunes into the Fanatics on KXNO. <laughs> Outside of that, no radio.
3: <laughs> I, 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 I did say that, That's something okay. I have to put down on my bucket list.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, a bucket <laughs> list is certainly...
3: Yeah.
1: Hey, Reese, I was up in Audison recently doing a story on Cole Van Wert and his family. Uh, yeah. He, he has some funny stories about that town. What do you, is that the smallest town you've ever been to? And what do you remember about that recruiting trip? That's, oh that's boy! A tiny little well, track.
3: actually, when when uh, you know we we've, we've been to West Bend, he was going actually to West Bend uh, at mm-hmm. the time and playing nine man football. And he came to our camp, I believe, as a sophomore freshman. And he came and was really really good. And you know we we, we talked about him. He was a guy we we're going to follow during the course of the winter. Uh, they decided to transfer over to uh, Algona because he thought it might be an opportunity to get highlighted more. And and it really he would have been recruited regardless because he's a good football player. But the thing you, you really liked about him is he he is a quiet guy, doesn't say much. But you look at that family, started from scratch, started their own you know, their trucking business. Uh, they repair their own stuff. You know, the whole family's involved in it. They know how to work. Uh, you know, and, and that w- that's kind of how he approaches football. Just goes out every day. He's very consistent with things that he does. And Addison's, you know, not the biggest town in the world. You know, there's not much there. <laughs> uh,
0: po- I think we looked it up. Population 55, Coach.
3: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. unbelievable. That's <laughs> unbelievable. And you the smallest the town. I, I, geez, Louise, I don't know. Um, you know, uh you know, we, we've we had players, the smallest town I can think from players, uh, eh, Giltner is probably, uh, Howells is about 580. Giltner's probably <laughs> in the 400 range, something like that. So we've had guys from towns that small. But
0: When you're driving to those places, Coach, and you're doing that windshield time, it is, yeah. and it's quiet, do you ever think to yourself, this kid better be worth it?
3: No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not because it's like going to Disneyland, okay? Wow. You're going there. There's a mission there. You go there, and you hope that that guy's the guy that you think can help. And, you, and, and a lot of times it isn't. A lot of times the coach says he's 6'5", and he's 6'2", or he's, you know, th- uh, he's this fast and he's not that fast. But you just love that because there's a lot of, lot of you know, schools that don't want to go too far from airports. They don't want to get in their har- car and drive to a certain area now, Tim Polisak, Seth Wallace, Brian Ference, those guys are driving around here all the time, you know. Trying to, you know, they have to do a lot of driving because they're in neighboring states. Uh, you know, Lavar Woods as well. So there's a lot of guys that uh, do that. But I think you, you know, it, it's not, it's not a waste of time. It's, it's never a waste of time, because you know you, you're you're looking for a guy, and, and, and usually you do your homework, and usually you're looking for a guy that that is a multi-sport athlete has good grades good student has a strong work ethic is a uh, you know has a sound sound uh, sound uh, support system a kid that's uh, pl- successful in multi sports you know a kid that maybe plays three sports and he's the best at his school in all three or the best in the state or the best in the in, in that region at, at those sports mm-hmm. so you know if you do that you know you you get you got a better chance of finding those gems
0: so, coach, you talk about sometimes a coach will say a kid is six five, and you get there and he's six three. Oh, yeah. how, how does that? You you've worked with a lot of coaches around the state. How does that affect your relationship with those coaches?
3: I don't think it makes a difference. Okay. Quite honestly, you kind of factor that in, you know, because realistically, you know, some coaches say, "Well, I'm 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 six foot three, and he's two inches taller than me." When the coach is like six foot, and the kid's <laughs> two inches taller, so. You know, I, I think when you're, it's all relative. It's all relative. And, and and bottom line is this: when you watch the tape, if that guy's a player, we're we're concerned about size, but size isn't isn't the, the 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 most important thing. I know I know a lot of schools put you know you have to have this certain height. We won't recruit a guy in this at this position if he's not this tall or if he's not this long or whatever. And you know we just like guys that are football players, and, and maybe that's. You know, and, and it, it all starts with Coach Ferentz. You know, everything starts with him, and it's his, you know, he, he's, he's got a mentality where he has no pre-opinion uh, of a guy or, or criteria. Hey, this guy's got to be this big or that big or anything like that.
0: Mark, I know you've got a couple questions about the uh, the coach's trip down south, so I'll step out of the way yeah. for a moment here.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty intriguing. You mentioned that, I think, this spring about the trip you guys took to Georgia to kind of uh, poke around there and see how they do things. How did that come
3: about? Well, i tell you, well, you know, Phil is good friends. Obviously, Phil has worked with uh, Coach Saban. Uh, as a, when Phil was at Michigan State, our defensive coordinator, Phil uh, played under Norm Parker as a coordinator, and then uh, uh, Coach, coach Sabin was his position coach. Then after mm-hmm. he graduated, he GA'd for him at Michigan State. Then when uh, Phil left Michigan State, Coach Saban was at, uh, at, uh, at Toledo, and he hired Phil to be a secondary coach, you know. So you know he's got that relationship. During that relationship, you know uh, he's met Kirby Smart along the way, and and uh, you know really has a, a good relationship with him and feels pretty strongly uh, about him. And and so uh, he, Phil r- lined it up to go down there. And we really had a lot of respect for for uh, the way he plays, the way Alabama plays, etc. You know, and they they were a couple plays away from winning the national championship. So we right. went down there really excited about the opportunity. Spent two days down there. Our entire staff, Kelvin Bell, uh, Seth Wallace, Phil Parker, and myself all went down. And, you know, we had a list of questions we wanted to do. And we got the opportunity to watch them train, to watch them work out. Uh, they had some short uh, little meetings and things that we did. And so it was a really, really productive thing. And we came away with the fact that they've got great athletes, but they also are great people. The the players that we met were unbelievably polite, nice kids. Sometimes you think because a kid's a high, highly recruited kid, he's going to act a little differently. But the culture there is very, very strong, and the work ethic is amazing. And the coaches were unbelievable. They they just gave us so much time. Phil and Seth spent the entire time with their uh, the entire day with their defensive coordinator, who's also the secondary coach. And Kelvin and I were the entire day with their defensive line coach. And they went out of their way to, to be helpful to us. Just some some guys from the Midwest. So it was really a productive trip. And and uh, from a facility standpoint, their facilities are excellent. But I tell you what, ours are ours are are actually the best we've seen. Really, we're very, very very fortunate.
0: Coach Ference is always big on message. Coach, what what's the message that came away from that visit, or what was maybe your one big takeaway from your time with those guys?
3: I, I tell you, there's a lot of different ways to do things, and you know. Uh, I was surprised that they knew much about Iowa, you know, that they really followed and so forth. And I think the big message is, you know, uh, don't be so concerned about the scheme as much as the fundamentals, the details, getting things not done r- right, and it's the process, you know, and, and that's an overused term and so forth. But, but I, I really think that's probably, you know, it helps reinforce what we believe in, what we're doing. Obviously, we've got to get better at everything that we do, though.
0: Coach, how much has coaching defensive line changed in these last couple of years? Maybe specifically with the evolution of the spread in college football. What's what's the biggest change from when you started coaching defensive line to today?
3: Well, it, you know this will be I don't know seventh year maybe I'm I'm not sure and and there was a spread back then too but I think the biggest difference uh, the biggest thing that you have to uh, get used to and do a great job is with the perimeter things. Uh, assignments on zone read uh one back power plays you know how how you take a, a play and and you know and, and still play assignment football but make it look the same and change it up uh, this year we played penn state and you know a year ago we went in there and it was uh, uh you know they they, uh, they handed it to us i mean we we just they totally owned us we were you know, we didn't play well, and and, and I, I know the defensive line. I did a poor job with them, but we we made some changes. We did some study, and we said these are the things we have to do to improve. And you know, we we made some adjustments there. But I think you have to be able. You know, it puts a lot of stress on your defensive ends, on your outside linebackers, on your safeties and and and, and corners, because you know you, you know we we typically our team does run a little bit out of the out of the gun. And they do run some zone read stuff. But typically in practice, we're seeing a pro-style offense all the time. And uh, so you have to, you know, work at that, uh, you know, a little bit more. But, uh, you know, it, 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 when it comes to it, bottom line, football is about fundamentals, blocking, tackling, execution. And and, and then it's a game of toughness, you know. And, and those factors, uh, you know, are, are, are really very important and valued by us.
0: Tell me something that Hawkeye fans are going to be pleasantly surprised by with the defensive line in 2018.
3: Oh, boy. I wish I wish I could give you something specific. I think we're going to have some depth. I think you're going to see a lot of guys out there playing. I think you could see anywhere from 8 to 11 kids out there playing. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, so that's a good thing. Now that that may be a bad thing too. Maybe we just don't have anybody that's really good <laughs> enough to solidify anything. And, you know, no,
0: coach. And, let's hope those eleven are in those fifty-five to nothing blowouts that the, the well, Hawkeyes. I, you, you know, know,
3: you know sending the starters to we're the locker room. Position? Yeah, we're, we're we're not at that position right <laughs> now. We, you know, we the Big Ten, as you know, right now continues to improve the coaching in the Big Ten, the quality of the student athletes, and and. Uh, the play that's done in this league is unbelievable, and it continues to get better each and every year. So that puts a, a you know real premium on on preparation, and then recruiting the right guys, and then doing a good job of coaching. And when you got a guy like Chris Doyle training him in, in the weight room, you got a head coach like Kirk, Kirk Ferentz, who's who's been here for a long time and is actively involved in in the X's and O's. You've got an offensive coordinator like Brian Ferentz who who understands the game not only from a line standpoint, but from a total offensive standpoint. you got a defensive uh, core coordinator like Phil Parker, who has played the position, coached the position, has been around probably one of the greatest defensive coordinators you know ever in college football with Norm Parker. And you've got a special teams coach like LeVar Woods, whose passion for the game is just unbelievable and is really doing a great job. It's pretty easy to see some things, and it's, you know, I I don't know. You know,
1: you
3: know, you know. You can't sit here and say where you're going, but you got to feel really good about uh, the guys that we have and the direction that we're headed.
0: During the off season, do you and Coach Ference ever talk about uh, the eventual end of the road or or seeing the end of a career in sight?
3: Uh, wait a minute, that's a loaded question. There, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, 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 I tell you what, no, no, I haven't because okay. I, uh, you know, you you just get up every day. And, and there's no, you know, it's, it's it's a passion, it's a career that you, you're lucky enough to be able to do. And, uh, you know, every job that, that any of us in our building have had has been the best job we've ever had. And to be in this situation is very unique. What we have here at Iowa, having the greatest fans in the in country, having the greatest coach, strength coach, and the support that we have administratively is, is unbelievable. And, you know, that's why the, the longevity of the program has been there. And, and, and getting back to the real question that you asked no we haven't talked about <laughs> it but uh you know uh i i do know this uh you know i i don't i don't see coach uh you know doing anything him personally and 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 he's been kind enough to to keep me along but i i tell you what you know it's uh he's he, he's he's been very gracious and and I know how appreciative I am to have the opportunity to be there because I'm just a high school coach. That's all I am. I'm a simple high school coach that uh, uh, that that just tries not to screw things
0: up too bad. So <laughs> you've done well for a high school coach, Coach Reese Morgan. <laughs> thank you so much for giving us time. We really, really thank appreciate you very it, sir. Much. you
3: bet. We'll talk thank to you, you soon. Reed.
0: Okay, code, bye. Coach Reese Morgan, some great insight into that Hawkeye defensive line. Mark, when we get back, bad. we'll we'll hook up with Chad. That was fun, man. 11 guys on that defensive line?
1: Not all at once though,
0: right? Listen, it's a it's a formation. What are you going to do when the other team puts 7 tight ends out there? <laughs> Right, 11 defensive line. go 11 defensive line. It's like that
1: old electronic football where they just kind of mingle. (laughs)
0: Exactly. When we get back, Chad Lysica will hop on the phone with us. Chad uh, wants to catch us up with some Iowa baseball news. Hawkeyes lost today. They will be back at it again tomorrow. We'll get uh, an idea of what this postseason can look like for this Hawkeye baseball team. Because now, not looking good, Chad will fill in all those holes for us next on Hawk Central 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Migs Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Big thanks to G-Migs, George Migliario, our buddy down there in uh, Valley Junction, stepping up to sponsor not only Hawkeye Nation, but Cyclone Insider. We love hanging out at G-Migs. Our Monday nights down there during football and basketball season are, uh, are awesome. Great food, terrific atmosphere. George does a wonderful job. So, Chad and Mark, you guys haven't even heard. Totally new imaging now for for Hawk Central. So, man, maybe they're getting ready to, to reboot this whole thing. Chad, you haven't heard anything, have you? We're not getting fired, are we?
4: Uh... You, you know what? You know what?
0: They'll probably probably be the last to know, Chad. So don't even sweat it. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you won't even hear that. You won't even hear the gunshot, so it won't won't be a bad deal. Chad, thanks I'll just for be
4: like Homer Simpson and I'll go hide in the closet <laughs> and come out and hope that everything.
0: okay. you go. Mark, uh, that was a fun interview with Reese Morgan that Chad set up for us. I Man, I thought that was uh, insightful. There.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Uh, definitely, you can see why guys want to play for him.
0: Chad, I think the one piece that you you would be interested in at least towards the end of that interview we kind of asked him about uh what Hawkeye fans will be pleasantly surprised by he says depth he says f- as many as eight to eleven different bodies could uh, could be seen in real action for that uh for that hawkeye defensive line I think that's a good good sign or bad sign sounds like the tight ends right <laughs> that's
4: what i that's exactly no. what i said that's Ross said. <laughs> Um, no, that I think Let's that's exactly what away. they want. I mean, yeah, I think uh, if they can get 10, uh, 10 deep there, that would be fantastic because you know there's going to be injuries. and mean, half the defensive line is injured right now. So, so yeah, that would be a very good sign. And, and I, I did catch some of it driving back into town here. I uh, just got home, and uh, I, I heard him speak highly of Chauncey Golston, saying yeah. he, he could be re- mm-hmm. uh, a nice surprise. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good yeah. thing for fans to hear.
0: Chad, you wanted to, uh, you, you kind of been our guy that's been keeping us up to date on this Hawkeye baseball team over the last couple of years, I feel like. Uh, catch us up to speed. A lot of folks know Hawks lost this morning in the Big Ten tournament, 2-1 um, to one in a 10-inning game to Michigan. They lost on a sack fly. What's next for this Hawkeye team?
4: Yeah, that was a rough game for the Hawkeyes. The last 20, 20 batters were, were retired, uh, got one hit in 10 innings um, in their biggest game of the year, so... Uh, pretty disappointing result. Uh, they play again tomorrow. At, uh, I just got back from there. Uh, they play again tomorrow, 9 a.m. against Ohio State. And if they lose, their season's, uh, definitely going to be over. Uh, they, you know, I think they need to win the whole tournament, honestly, to, to get into the NCAA regional. Rick Heller disagrees. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's uh, a disappointing way to kind of end what's been a really good season. It's not over, but it's, uh, it's it's nearing the end.
0: Played at 9 a.m. They they play at 9 a.m. tomorrow also, right, Chad? Yep. How, did yeah, did Coach Heller right. did Coach Heller talk about that start time today and how maybe that affected things?
4: Uh, you know what? The uh, it was interesting because because the, the players interview um, you do a press conference and the players go first and uh, somebody asked the players about that playing at 9 a.m. and they said no, nah, it wasn't you know really wasn't any big deal. But then uh, when when it was Rick Heller's turn to speak. Uh, I think he correctly pointed out, and, and, and the same for both teams. But, uh, the way, the way the sun hits at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., it's basically in the batter's eye. I mean, it's, it's right out in center field. That's why you, that's probably why they don't play that many games at 9 a.m. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely affected him, but obviously it affected both teams too, so. At least the Hawkeyes tomorrow will be a little more used to that.
0: So, Chad, we've got a, a fourth voice sitting here in the studio with us. Mitch Widmeyer has been filling in for Chris on Fanatics all week, and he's a huge Hawkeye fan, so he wanted to stick around here during Hawk Central. So I'll, I'll introduce you guys via phone now.
2: Chad, Mitch, Mitch, Chad. <laughs> How's it going, Chad?
4: <laughs> Sounds good. You have, what, uh, have you been following the baseball team?
2: Uh, a little bit, uh, especially come this time of the year. So my first question right off the bat for you is I'm, I'm curious as to how many chips did they push in for this game today to try to win it because they burned probably their best arm and you're talking about having to maybe run the table now and you look ahead to one game or two games or need to win three games their best arm is pretty much spent after today correct
4: yeah nick Allgayer. Uh, i mean you know every team pretty much uses their ace you know to start these tournaments um he threw 97 pitches pitched pretty well stuck out nine gave up one run um uh, yeah, he's probably spent for the week. And uh, you're right; they they need to win a bunch in a row. They actually need to win five in a row mm. to win the Big Ten tournament, and that's going to be wow. really tough. And five when in a, you get
0: Chad, and yeah. to give people an idea, that's five in four game four days because the championships on Sunday. Yeah,
4: yeah, they would have to win uh, at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, if they win that, they go 3:30 p.m. on Friday. If They win that. I think I believe it's 9 a.m. again on Saturday and then uh, an if-necessary game uh, at 9 p.m. or 5 p.m. that night, um, and then the championship game on Sunday. So that's a long road. Uh, but Iowa does have – the good thing is Iowa kind of has um, three starting pitchers lined up to go that are all pretty good. So I think they could, you know, best-case scenario, get through those three games. I mean, that's a lot to ask. But uh, they do have a little bit of a pass, but after that, then they – You know, I think they'd have to win two games with basically bullpen guys, freshmen. It's a really tough ask. And that's what I wrote in my column today out of the park is any team that's lost since they've gone to eight teams um, in the Big Ten tournament, any team that's lost day one, um, none of them have ever made it back even to get to the championship game, let alone win it. So... The odds are really stacked against them because of that pitching.
0: Okay, Coach Heller says that they don't necessarily have to win out here in the Big Ten tournament to get to the NCAA regionals. What do they have to do then, Chad? I mean, it would seem like that's, if not win out, get to the championship game and make one heck of a performance doing so.
4: Yeah, that that would be probably the most, uh, that would be the scenario I guess I would see uh, because that would mean they had won four games straight to get to the title game and they probably beat some really good teams on the way uh let's you know let's suppose they beat uh Minnesota which has an RPI of 16 right now let's say they beat them twice to get to the the championship game for example um you know something like that i could see vaulting them but they came into this tournament uh 66 in the RPI even though they have a pretty good resume in my opinion um but you probably need to be closer to 50 and obviously losing today didn't help that so they could chip away at it with three or four straight wins and then you know, have a, certainly have a case for it. But uh, they, took, they took a big hit today, that's for sure.
0: When we get back to wrap up the 6 o'clock hour, we'll get into hoops a little bit. We've got a, a few pressing concerns here or notes for Hawkeye basketball fans. What's happening with Tyler Cook? When will we know exactly what Tyler Cook's decision is? Mark and Chad will help us weed through some of those answers as we wrap up Hawk Central here in the 6 o'clock hour on Fanatics 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-MIGS 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Huge thanks to G-MIGS for stepping up, sponsoring Hawk Central and Cyclone Insider. We'll be back down at g I would assume, this fall. Have a lot of fun with our... Uh, uh, reaction shows on Monday afternoons coming to you live from G Great spot here in the Central Iowa area. We're so lucky to have George Migliera not only here in Central Iowa, but uh, as part of our KXNO family. Chad Leistico and Mark Emmert have been longtime parts of our family here through Hawk Central. Mitch Widmeyer, you are just getting to know here. Well, that's true, Chad. You're part of the family. <laughs> well, I, that I would mean extended family, maybe. Yeah, you're kind of like cousins. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. Mark's the cousin that we, you know, you FaceTime when you're opening presents. We never actually get to see him. We hear his voice, we get to wave occasionally.
1: It's better that way,
0: trust me. <laughs> Chad, let's, let's talk a little bit about Tyler Cook. I kind of teased this as we went into the break. It would seem like we have to be coming to some sort of uh, a head here with this Tyler Cook situation, right?
4: Yeah, the deadline to return would be one week from today as we record this. Uh, so that's wednesday may 30th at 11:59 p.m. we don't think he'll probably wait till 11:58 but um <laughs> he's got to make a decision not. by then or else he's <laughs> if he doesn't i guess he's the decision's made then but that he's staying God, staying in the draft mm-hmm.
0: What uh, have, have you gotten any sort of indication? I mean, I'm, I know this is hard to do, but put your finger on the pulse of maybe Fran McCaffrey or other people inside that program. What do they think the decision is that's coming from Tyler Cook?
4: Well, um, I, the information has been difficult to come by, um, but we do know that he's had uh, at least three workouts. Uh, I was told yesterday that he's got another two or three coming up this week. Um, we did see the Denver Nuggets uh, tweet out that they were working him out the other day. Um, I, we know for sure that he's, he's worked out for the Spurs and the Thunder. Um, and, I, and I was told he has a few more this week, but didn't uh, I don't have the teams. Um, so I, this thing is going to, I think go towards the very end. Um, and, and obviously he's, you know, uh, well within his rights and, and should be, um, you know, Taking it up to as far as he can get the most information, um, but uh, I don't think we'll. See, I do not think we will hear anything this week, from what I've been told. So I would look for it in in, in those final days, um, okay. one way or the other.
0: Coach Fran McCaffrey was on with KCJJ Radio in Iowa City. He gave a couple quotes. Mark, I'd like to get your uh, your reaction to to some of these. The first one was, quote, if he came back, I'd be surprised if he doesn't take his game to another level and move himself into that first round. I think that's a realistic goal from for him. And from where I sit, that's what will happen. So that sounds to me, Mark, like Fran McCaffrey is saying, his anticipation is that Tyler Cook is a big part of this team next year, and improves himself to be a first round draft pick in 2019. Am I am I seeing that right?
1: That sounds kind of like a, yeah. That's a very bold statement. Uh, I mean, I, I agree that if he does come back, I think he'll be a much better player. I don't. I don't agree that he's going to be a first round draft pick no matter what. But uh, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. But he, he, I mean, he would need to take his game up a huge level. I think he would have to be able to shoot from the outside for one thing, which he hasn't really shown that he can do yet. But uh, but uh, you know, I think. There's no question that if he came back, he'd be very determined to. You know, he'd, he'd have a lot of feedback. He'd know exactly what to work on, and I think he would be probably a, a different and a better player. And he was pretty good last year, as you know.
0: Mm, yeah, Chad. When you hear that, do you hear a coach being optimistic, or do you think that's Fran McCaffrey peeling back a layer of what he knows?
4: Uh, I think that's an optimistic coach. Okay. Uh, I think that's. Yeah. I, I just don't see that being realistic at all. He, um, he's never I mean, had a
1: first-round pick, has he?
4: No, no. I mean, Iowa's last first round pick was Ricky Davis in 1999. Um, he was a freshman. Um, he, he went out after one year. I mean, you just, uh, here's the thing. If you, if you just look at the NBA draft every year, there's pr- first rounds probably going to have, oh, 10 to 15 one and done guys at least.
1: Yep. I mean, you look okay. at this
4: year's first the round, European. I think nine of the first, yep, nine of the first 10 are probably, um, are projected to be, one and Dunners, and the other is, is from Europe. So um, you, you'd really hardly ever see any more the juniors and seniors go in the first round. You see some, but I mean, just to, you know, if he were, to I'm sure that is the sales pitch. I mean, from Iowa's perspective, if you come back, we can help make you a first round pick. I mean, no, no shame in 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 you know trying to to sell him on that if you if you think that's realistic. But I mean, what do you, I mean, you guys have. I mean, I think Tyler Cooks. One of the most uh, phenomenal athletes that Iowa basketball had, maybe in my lifetime. But at six eight and a half, or whatever he is, you know, two fifty. If he's not hitting forty to forty two percent from three, I just don't see. You know, and he's really never been a three point shooter at Iowa. That would be an incredible jump, incredible jump. Maybe he could do it, but I just don't. I I don't think that that quote is very realistic at
0: all. Mitch what do you what do you yeah, hear?
2: I, with I just a lot of, I feel like most of these guys can at least get a, a workout or a tryout as long as you throw your name and I saw that same tweet Chad that the Denver Nuggets tweeted out it was like picture of him kind of looking like he was layup line or attacking the rim or something I'm just curious and I know this is a tough one to try to peg but if he were to keep his name in there what is the best case scenario for him because you look at just about any yeah. he's a tremendous player but you look at I've looked at four different NBA mock drafts. I'm kind of an NBA geek, and I, I look okay. at them frequently when they're updated. I don't see his name on any of those four that I look at as no. a player that's getting drafted.
4: No, you exactly, been right, Mitch.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Go
4: ahead, Mark. I'll jump in after that. No, I was say, I think that's,
1: I mean, I, I, I'm along with Mitch. I've, I've seen a lot of those, too, and talked with some NBA guys, and, and none of them see him as a top 150 player in this draft or top 100. And only 60 you get drafted, as you know. So um, I think if he stays in, I think it's to go to the G League or to go overseas.
4: I don't mm-hmm. think it's to go to the NBA.
0: Chad, I you mean? The only
4: other, yeah, the only other thing I would, you know, I've said this before and I think it remains an option just because I think the G League's um, prestige is, exp- I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't no know if either. that's the right word, but it is expanding, you know, just the opportunity there. Um, and I I could see, I could see a scenario where a team doesn't draft him um, and just, you know, says, Hey, well, we will take you on our G league team, you know, similar to what, um, you know, kind of happened with Peter jock. I mean, even though he was a senior, he didn't get drafted, but you know, he ended up on a G league team all year and he played pro ball, you know, didn't make a ton of money, um, you know, probably in the $50,000 range, 40,000. That's an estimate, but um, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's good for him, you know, get a, Get a chance to wear, you know, uh, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants jersey or whatever, and uh, you know, try to make a name, you know, ascend his game that way with with different coaching. I mean, that would be the the only scenario I would see um, is a team kind of guaranteeing him um, beforehand that they would make him a part of their plans. Now, I, I still think that would be a risky move for him. I mean, but he does seem to be wanting to move on in some way. I mean, he's definitely motivated to move on, no question.
2: Yeah, and like we don't have the answers if he were to keep his name in, how that benefits him or hurts him down the road. That'd be like a a tale to be told two, three, four years from now. But the Fran quote of him coming back and he could develop and reach the peak he thinks of being a first-round draft pick does seem to be somewhat of a big stretch. If he were to come back, he of course being Tyler Cook, do you think he could elevate his game to the point where he's at least uh, – because, Mark, you mentioned a lot of these guys that are talking to the NBA don't even have him in the top 150, and there's only 60-some getting drafted. If he were to come back, do you think he has the capabilities to elevate his game where he's at least being talked about as a, a player that could be drafted at the middle or tail end of the second round a year mm-hmm. from now? I know that's hard to project, yeah. but do you think he could think elevate so, his game?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I do I do believe so, yeah. yeah I think because, I mean – uh, if he can just show that he has some kind of outside game um, to go along with. Obviously, we can see he's very powerful inside. Um, there's a possibility there, sure. It's a 6'9 kid that can shoot it a little bit. Um, if he, got it, he has to improve his defense, too, I think. Um, he may become a little bit better defensive rebounder. But, uh, you know, the, the talent, like Chad said, the talent is there. He's a really talented kid. He's just not built for what the NBA is looking for right now. And I really think, you know, if he does want to go go make some money now, I mean, he could do what Aaron White Aaron White waited four years to go overseas and play basketball. Well, who's to say that Tyler Cook couldn't go over and do exactly what Aaron White's doing now, after two years to make the same kind of money? So why, you know, why waste those two years? Maybe that's what he's thinking. Like, the time for me to earn money is right now. A college degree can can wait. So if
2: that's what yeah. he's thinking,
4: he, he could he could make some money somewhere because he he is a talented player. On the that, only thing that the only thing that kind of comes up for me when you say that, Mark, is um, a lot of times the overseas – I mean, you can overseas you will get paid if you have. Like some some recognition, like some name recognition. Like Aaron White was a first team All Big Ten player, one of the top scorers and rebounders in Iowa history, and I've been told that 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 is a big deal overseas. You need to be like a name player in college basketball, and obviously, you know, obviously Tyler Cook is not that yet. I mean, he Iowa right. fans know who he is, but he's not. He hasn't even been all conference yet, so um, he wasn't even third team this year, right? I don't think. No. So. Um, that would be the only hesitation there to to say he could make Aaron White type money. Now he could go play, you know, maybe in Germany or, you know, somewhere that the lesser pay scale, but I don't don't, It's just going to be interesting to see, like you guys said, where this all lands, because this has been one of the most mysterious to us. Usually we can get more info, more mysterious um, kind of draft explorations we've seen.
2: I saw a quote from Tyler Cook, too. Uh, I think it was from about a month ago where he said, like, playing in the NBA is the dream for him. So if it's not about money and it is about getting to the NBA, is it fair to say – I don't want to stick my neck out too far, but is it fair to say that his best option of doing that would be to come back because if he comes back – Uh, to the college game, I feel like you get much more exposure and attention and opportunity than he would if he were going overseas or if he were buried on a G League roster. He's going to have a much better chance of being drafted in 2019. (laughs) Achieving that dream of getting to the NBA, if that's truly what it's about for him, than being buried on a a G League team.
4: Yeah, but remember, the only way you can really make an NBA team, for the most part, is to be a first-round pick. Those second-round picks are basically worthless. So, you're really talking about 30 guys. And just think, if he's not in the top 150 now, there's going to be 15 brand new guys next year that are one and dunners. They're going to be in the that he's still that he's also going to have to jump over potentially. So um, I don't know. I don't know if there's an advantage to to staying the, end of the year. Honestly, just because it seems like the, the more you age, the less attractive you are to the NBA. Maybe that's what he's yeah. trying to capitalize on.
1: Right. But you are right that going overseas kind of does take you out of that conversation. Not a lot of guys come back. To make the NBA, yeah, once you go over there. That is so, true. Yeah, the G point. League, though, does get visibility. You know, they do sign a lot of free agents out of that league. If, if you're a big time player, although Utah had a really good year this year and didn't get didn't get called up at all, I think mm-hmm. he averaged what 19 20 points. So it's not there's no guarantee no matter what he does. Honestly, but it's hard to know what he's thinking.
0: This is this is a wild question, Chad. I think I'm going to have you answer this first. Is Iowa a better team with or without Tyler Cook?
4: You know, I'm, uh, this is probably going to be unpopular, but I would say if it is like this year, where he doesn't play enough defense, and uh, his, you know, half his, you know, from my perception, if you know, part of his mentality is that he's looking towards that next level, because that we've heard, we heard that the last month or two of the whole season. Um, you know, they they might. I don't know if that's a better thing. He would really have to up his defense. I know that's probably an up, a little bit controversial to say, but. Um, with what he can do scoring-wise, but we also saw what it did chemistry this year-wise. It just wasn't there.
0: Mark, do you have an answer to that?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I, I think they're better with him. Obviously, I think he's their most talented player. I, I do think talent trumps just about everything in sports. So I, I just don't see anybody can, that can do what he can do on the basketball court. I mean, I understand what Chad's saying. If you've got to move on from him anyway, you might as well start moving on now and try to develop somebody else. But I just don't see it on this roster that anybody that could be as good as the, in the 4-5 spot as, as Tyler Cook is. I mean, he's he's a unique talent for Iowa right now.
0: Mitch, it's almost... Well,
4: if he does what, go ahead, he go does ahead, what McCaffrey says. If he does what McCaffrey thinks he will do, then obviously Iowa will be a much yeah. better team with him. But I'm saying if he if he's the same type of player, then I, I do not think that they would be better with him.
0: I think that's the the detailed answer that's probably right. But, man, Mitch, this is hard for me to even comprehend that a guy that I had was he relit the excitement in Hawkeye basketball yeah. for a lot of people. I had such high hopes for what Tyler Cook was going to do in a Hawkeye uniform. This is a hard question to even ponder for me.
2: It's a hard, it's a question uh, yeah. that you never thought you'd be exactly like two right. years That's, ago that I you ever think would be on the table. I, keep, you like, never I, thought, I, yeah. I don't even
0: want to think about the answer because it's like, dude, I can't get past the question.
2: Like if I told Ross two years ago, hey, two years from now you're going to ask the question on radio, would the Hawkeyes be better with or without Tyler Cook if he came back? You'd like, I, well, I laughed at you. What yes, the hell said, happened? Come on, what are you yeah. talking about here?
0: Yeah. yeah, Did he go to the NBA? <laughs> is, was he the number one pick in the NBA? Is that what happened? <laughs> What do you think, Mitch? Are they better without Tyler
2: Cook? In I, I I'll stick with the with with him. I with him, they're better in the grand scheme of things. You gotta imagine if he comes back, he's gonna elevate his game, hopefully to that next level, whatever that may be. And I'm kind of with Mark that talent trumps just about anything else.
0: That's what I'll say. Also, is that whatever the chemistry issues are, hopefully you can solve those. Taking a, talent, taking a talent, taking a talent, yeah, right. <laughs> taking a talent like that off the court is very difficult to replace. Mark, Chad, thanks so much. Another really fun one. Mark, great full hour out of you. Part timer, Chad, this is an okay effort. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll try
4: to do better next week. Sounds Ferenc, good next week. Oh,
0: Coach Ferrans joining us next week. The yeah. big dog coming Ooh. on Hawk Central. He'll be in the hot seat from six to seven.